Well, good morning. So this morning we get to hear from the Morrisons, who have been in the Czech Republic for 20 years and are now headed to Serbia. They are from the greater Lafayette area. So Connection Point Church has been supporting them in ministry for 20 years. Isn't that awesome? So there's a long history there. Amen. I just love that a local church has been investing in the Czech Republic. So, but what I love about that is, is we can't do that without the Morrisons, but the Morrisons can't do that without the local church. And so there's this wonderful opportunity and mission that either you're going or you're sending, and there's a place for both. And so this morning, as you listen to, to Jason share, uh, just ask yourself the question, am I a goer or am I a sender? Because God has a heart for the nations, and uh, I'm meant to be involved in that. Uh, we have a, a brief video that so introduce you to the Morrisons, so you can kind of see a little bit of where they've been and where they're going. And then after that video plays, then, then uh, the Morrisons will come and share. So let's play that video. So hello, this is Jason, Andrea, and Wyatt Morrison. We're Assemblies of God missionaries, and for the last 20 years we have served in the country of Czech Republic. Uh, but this term, uh, God is redirecting us. We're going to a country called Serbia. Uh, it's a cur currently a country without any Assemblies of God missionaries, and we're excited for the opportunity to go once we raise our budget. So, um, hey Wyatt, what do you think about being a missionary kid going to a place like Serbia? Because you were born in Czech Republic. I think it's exciting because we have a new opportunity to tell people about Jesus and it's kind of like pioneering, like not pioneering in the physical world, but pioneering in the spiritual world that you can tell people about Jesus. Well, thank you so much for your support of your missions program there in the local church. Thank you for supporting families like us so that we can go and fulfill the call that God has placed on our lives. We couldn't do it without churches like yours. So thank you and God bless you. really good to be here. It's very good to see everybody. And uh, just, uh, Pastor already said that you've been supporting us for a long time, but it even goes back further than that. I, I really feel like I have to acknowledge that uh, back when we were like 10, 11 years old, Cliff and Linda Ivy were teaching us and training us as uh, kids. And uh, Charlie Riggle, when we were in third grade, was making church fun. And uh, so people like that, I, I really think that's important to acknowledge the investment that goes on through children, youth, and all that to, to get people uh, the, trained up to where they can be missionaries. So thank you for your investment. Uh, as you see, we have our prayer card out there. Wyatt has uh, one to show you. Please stop at our table and grab one, or Wyatt will come and track you down and give you one. That's his job here. And we also, uh, Wyatt also wants to show his, on the next slide, the other member of our missionary team, uh, his dog. And what's the dog's name? Patience. And patience. She will be our missionary dog and our guard dog when we go. Um, and then we also have on our table out there this, Wyatt will show it to you, and Andrea will say a little bit about that. 
This is a project near and dear to my heart. It's a cookbook of American and Czech recipes. Many churches would ask me, hey, can you send us a Czech recipe? Um, and many Czech friends would say, hey, can you give me that recipe for those cookies? So I thought, I'm just tired of sending these out one by one. We're going to put them all in one cookbook. So it's a very unique cookbook. There's a Czech part with Czech recipes. The recipes are translated into English. And then there's an American part with American recipes that are translated into Czech. So every language is in two languages. So if you have it on your heart, to learn Czech, do it in the kitchen. <laughs> All proceeds for this go to children's ministry. All right. Well, thank you. You can go sit down, White. He's a little tired this morning. Um, but we'll show you some other slides here. Um, as Pastor said, we have been in the Czech Republic for 20 years. And sometimes when we go to churches, they say, well, why don't we stay in America? America needs missionaries. And this is the uh, spread of global workers from world missions that are around the world. You can see each region. And here in uh, the United States, there's 2,408 missionaries. And that's not just, you know, Kyoff and stuff. There there are also people like my friend who is from Cameroon, who is planting churches. He came here. Uh, my friend from Congo, who has come here to plant a, a church. A friend from India, who's planting a church. So missions is about everyone going everywhere, following the heart of God to reach the lost and to proclaim the gospel, to, to bring God's praise where it isn't. You can see the next uh, slide that uh, these are the countries or regions around the world where there are no world missionaries. And I think, actually this is an old stat, I think uh, Europe is now up to seven. Um, but there is a reason why that, this, that these countries don't have missionaries. Uh, and there are difficult places either through access, through persecution, through uh, psychological pressures and things like that. So uh, you can pray with us for these one billion people without uh, a representative uh, bringing them the gospel of Jesus Christ with a Pentecostal uh, emphasis in their doctrine. So let's go on to the next slide. As Pastor said, we uh, have been in the Czech Republic for 20 years. And when we were there, uh, six of those years, we were the only Assemblies of God missionaries there. And things have changed. Back when we first came, uh, they were just getting their first store in a city of 30,000 with both food and clothes in the same shop. I mean, that was revolutionary for them. And uh, now, today, it's very much like the West. There's a lot of conveniences, and a lot of times we can find things there that we cannot find in America even. So, but things are changing, and uh, we thought that we would be buried in the Czech Republic. We loved this country. But then God started to speak to us, and uh, it was really uh, a strong call that God started to say, uh, I'm moving you to a more difficult place. And that was specifically what he had started to speak to my heart. We're moving you to a more difficult place. You're a pioneer. There's other missionaries here now in the Czech Republic. And so we started to pray. And one of those times when God spoke to me was in a dream. I was sitting on the, the fence between our old pasture where we had an old hickory tree. Mom's here, she remembers this area where we had our sheep and stuff. And on the other side, we had our orchard with our apples and uh, peaches and things like that. And I'm sitting on the fence. And on the one side in the pasture, our workers that we had trained were building church buildings. They were working. And, and then I'm sitting there and on the other side, the orchard is so covered with spider webs, you know, the spooky Halloween sort of haunted house sort of spider webs. And it was so thick you couldn't reach in to get the, the fruit off of that tree. And I woke up and I felt like God was saying, you're on that transition point and I'm getting ready to send you to a new orchard. 
Well, we started to pray, and God spoke to Andrea as well, and, and maybe tonight in the question and answers we can get into that, but we both really felt like God was going to just give us a phone call, and we would know the country, because uh, there's so many needs. As you can see, there was, there's so many places without missionaries, and so we were praying about it, and the call never came. We thought by December of 2019 that the call would be there, and it didn't come. Then COVID hit, and we came back, and we were just coming back on itineration, we thought, well, we'll just kind of stay the course. And Wyatt was in his Czech school still, still learning all of his uh, abetzedi and, and all of his chisla and all these things uh, in the Czech language. And so we're just kind of continuing on. And then in July of last year, one of the leaders from World Missions called us and said, uh, Jason, Andrea, we, you've known me for 20 years. Tell me to take a hike. But I just felt like maybe in prayer, that uh, your heart, your your name came to my heart, and you're supposed to. I was supposed to tell you about this, but we cannot keep anyone in Serbia. Would you be willing to go? This is a difficult place. Feel feel free to say no. And when we heard about it, we started to pray, and we really felt like this was where God wanted us. And when we looked, we we were we don't know the language. There's no contacts. There's nothing there really to help us to get established. So we were looking, and we found out that Serbia has in the northern region of Vojvodina six official languages, and one of those official languages is Slovak, which we understand. So we started to look there, and we saw the capital city of Vojvodina is named a city named Novi Sad. And when we saw that, we kind of felt like this is the place, and this is why, because Novi Sad in the Czech and Slovak languages means the new orchard. So we are, we've said yes, we're going to Serbia. It's uh, in the former Yugoslavia, it's the land bridge between uh, the Middle East and Europe. It was under Islamic Ottoman rule for about 500 years. Uh, the next slide, you can see just a little bit of the things about it. It's 35 people groups. Four languages have only the New Testament. Three of those languages have only portions. And there's a, one language, Romani Serpchina, which has 100,000 people roughly without any portion of the Bible in their language. So there's many different avenues we can go. But at this point, we're just going to land. We're going to try to learn the language, uh, survive, and then establish a beachhead with the vision of having a multi-ethnic, multicultural team, multi-generational team that will model unity in a country that has been split by wars, by genocides, by disunity. And uh, hopefully God will direct us more as we land. Uh, it's about a half a percent evangelical, and most of those are in the Slovak and Hungarian um, ethnic minorities where there'll be whole villages of these people and that's where you'll find. But among the other people groups, there's very, very little. So please, please keep praying for us as we are heading in that direction. Um, so the next slide, we'll keep going on. And this morning, I'm going to talk uh, on a tra non-traditional missions verse. Uh, it's from 2 Timothy 1.7. You can look at it in your Bibles while I'm uh, giving the introduction. But just a little bit about missions. Um, if... If uh, I already mentioned that missions is not necessarily from people from the West going to the East. It's not people from the global South going to the global, or global North going to the global South. It has always been about people from everywhere to everywhere. 
And if you're a, a scholar, you like to just read books, there's a, a book by a historian named Andrew Walls called uh, Crossing Cultural Frontiers. And he talks about how the one thing that characterizes the gospel of Jesus Christ is that it is constantly crossing cultural barriers. It started out among a Jewish community and Jesus was a Jew in the Jewish community, and then it crossed a cultural barrier among the Gentiles, among the Greek-speaking communities. And suddenly they're wrestling with issues like, should we be circumcised? Should we uh, eat meat offered to idols and things like that? That was something that they would have never even considered an issue among the Jewish community, but now suddenly it's an issue. And so every time Christianity crosses one of those cultural barriers, it enriches our understanding of God as we're forced to dive into the scriptures and, and dive into the Old and the New Testament and see what God's heart would be. But it's always been a characteristic that it's not just from one place, uh, it's not a European religion or a uh, Jewish religion, it's always crossing cultural frontiers. There's another scholar named uh, Philip Jenkins. He's more of a secular scholar, but uh, he's very well respected. He wrote a book called The Lost History of Christianity. The Lost History of Christianity, Philip Jenkins. And this book uh, shows and just blows up all the myths that you think that um, Christianity is a European religion. He documents during the first 1,000 to 1,400 years of Christianity that there were three lobes of Christianity, the African lobe, the, um, the Asian lobe, and the European lobe. And of those three, in the first 1,000 to 1,400 years, and you would have asked, which one is going to die out? Everyone would have said European Christianity. It was that much weaker. In fact, the very first coins with a Christian motif were minted in the 300s uh, in the Aksumite Empire, which is today's Ethiopia and Eritrea. The very first Christian coins. The gospel had penetrated uh, China, and we have Christian inscriptions in Chinese in the 600s and 700s. That was before Canterbury had heard the gospel. It's before... Uh, Serbia and the Czech Republic had ever had their first missionaries. And you look and you see uh, the Church of the East, how they were sending missionaries around and they were already in Tibet and there's records of Buddhist monks coming into China and meeting the Christian monks who were already there and asking them, how do we translate these concepts? And we think, well, Christianity is coming in there and trying to displace Buddhism, but it's actually the opposite. Read the book. It's fascinating. And just one more little tidbit. Uh, India had 50 what they called metropolitans. These are like dioceses where you have a, a bishop or a patriarch over a large section of uh, uh, Christian territory with priests and, and churches. They had 50 of them there, whereas in all of Europe... At that time, they only had three. Just to give you an idea. And then suddenly, things changed. And today, where it used to be that the Christ Christianity was the strongest is today's 1040 window. And Philip Jenkins um, writes in his book, could it not be that history, if it repeats itself, in the future it would be just as strange to talk about a Christian Swede as it is today to talk about a Christian Arab. 
So the missions is all about planting and replanting, contextualizing and recontextualizing, taking the gospel where it isn't uh, in different contexts, in, in different cultures, in different generations. We can never just sit there and say, well, this is a European religion. This is a uh, Israeli religion. This is an African religion. No, the gospel has no home. And it is our task to take the gospel where it is not. And today we are relying upon the power of God as we prepare to embark on this new journey to Serbia as we are going to try to take the gospel to where it is not. There is much to fear and that's why I've chosen 2 Timothy 1.7 this morning. We don't know the language. We don't know where we'll live. We don't know uh, where a safe school will be for our little boy. We don't know how to set up a home. We have no contacts. Uh, and we know that others before us have faced rejection and have left. Yet in the midst of all of this, we have one thing. We have the power that comes through faith and through the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We know the power of the presence of God. And so this morning, if you miss everything else, if you fall asleep, here's the main point. I want you to live in the power of the Holy Spirit and to understand what that means. So this morning, the verse is from 2 Timothy 1.7. For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. And I've titled this the mission spirit. So God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. See, fear stands in opposition to faith. Fear is what gets, tries to get you to not believe. Fear is what tries to get you not to step out into mission, not to, to live with confidence of, in God's love for you. Fear is what tries to rob you of the stability in your mind as you're trusting and staying steadfast with Jesus Christ. So let's look at the context of this verse. This verse is perhaps one of the most oft-quoted verses in the New Testament. It's, it can be an encouragement to us when we feel uncertain, when we feel fearful, especially when we're feeling fearful about the future, maybe about our health, about COVID, whatever. However, before we begin to look at it, I want to look at the context of this verse. In terms of historical context, this was the very last letter, 2 Timothy was, the last letter written by the Apostle Paul before he died. If we go to the end of the verse or chapter, you can see that he is in prison and he knows that he will soon die. He's, in, he's asking, please hurry because I'll probably not make it through the winter. Yet in this time, he takes time to write to a young pastor named Timothy, a young man who is dear to him, as dear as his own son. And because of the persecution which Paul is facing and suffering and others are at that time, we can understand why some may be fearful, including Timothy. Now, when we look at the verse itself, we can see that there is an actually, a it's a continuation of a thought because there's a, a conjunction at the beginning saying for, for God has not given me. That means that there's something else before it. The preceding verse talks about, I am persuaded that the faith of your mother and grandmother is in you also. So there's, Timothy is believed, there's faith in him. And he says, therefore, I remind you to stir up of the gift of God, which is within you through the laying on of hands. So we can see two things in the preceding context. First, we see that faith, uh, that saving faith through that belief. The second, we can see the gift of God. 
And I believe that this is referring to the baptism of the Holy Spirit because the, the uh, nomenclature, when he says, through the laying on of hands, we see this over and over in the New Testament, and that is especially with Pauline writing. This is a, a way of saying, I lay on hands, and then the Holy Spirit came upon you. And we see that over and over. So he's talking about you have faith, which overcomes his fear, and you have the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which gives you power and overcomes this fear. So with this in mind, I want to contrast these two spirits, the spirit of fear and that spirit of power, which brings love and, and it's in love and in a, a sound mind. Because it says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear. That's the one hand, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love and a sound mind. So the first type of um, power that we receive is the power over sin and death. The power over sin and death. And there's a story of, there's been one revival in the Czech Republic, in the lands of the Czech Republic over the centuries. And that was in a little city called Suchdal nad Odro. It's back from the year 1712. There's a missionary named Christian David. And he got a hold of a Bible. A few people realized that the Bible was actually illegal to own in the Slavic language from 1620 roughly on. And so he got a hold of this Bible while he was in prison and he became a missionary. He became a believer and he became a missionary. But he got deathly ill and due to this sickness, he was crippled, he couldn't walk. And even though he was in such a state that people were still afraid of him and still afraid that it would bring persecution, so they kicked him out of town because they found out that he had started to follow the Lutheran confession. Originally, they didn't uh, want him in Suchdal because they didn't know him and they were afraid. In 1723, he recovered and he was able to return to Suchdal and began to preach and teach. He actually was a German-speaking Czech at the beginning, so his Czech wasn't very good, but he still was uh, trying to share the, the gospel there. It was an out-of-the-way place. And you can actually go to Sukhodal today and there's a little uh, chapel. You can see where he preached and, every, er, and taught. There's only about six to 700 people. And he found out in this city, they were having three to four sermons a day in their local cathedral, but they didn't have a Bible and they didn't know what Christianity was all about. So he encouraged them to learn to read the Bible. They were illiterate for the most part. So they learned to read the Bible. They started to read it and they realized what they were missing out on. The leaders didn't know uh, anything about having a, a sinner's prayer or anything like that. But in response to the gospel, they decided that their method was that they would send people out of town and they would sit there and pray and spend time with God until two things happened. That they would lose the fear of death and they would lose the taste for sin. And then they knew that they were transformed. This was the same group of people that later John Wesley encountered when they were on a ship in the midst of a deadly storm and they were in fear of, of sinking. And John Wesley saw this group of Czechs, this group of Moravians sitting there singing hymns and praising God at perfect peace. But why? Because their faith had caused them to lose the fear of death. And John Wesley said when he saw this, he realized that he was missing something and he gave his life to God in a new way. And from that was spawned the revival of the Wesleys that spurred on the, the Wesleyan church and the Methodist church. It was a worldwide revival. 
Of the six or 700 people in that village, only six families did not join the revival that followed. All the pubs were closed. Uh, 280 people ended up emigrating and leaving the city, partially because of, of persecution, partially because they were feeling prompted by the Holy Spirit to go into missions. This was the start of the great Moravian missionary movement as they fled and ex- in, were in exile in Germany in Count von Zinzendorf's castle. And later they had a 100-year prayer meeting and they started to send out missionaries all over the world. 65 of those families went into missions and were martyred. A full 10% of the village died a martyr's death. But God transformed them and gave them power over sin and death. See, when we are certain of our position in Christ, that perfect love casts out all fear. We no longer fear death because we know the power of Christ has overcome the grave. New life awaits us when we complete our task and we have confidence in the power of Christ to overcome things like addictions, things like sin, harmful attitudes. And when we are struggling with these things, all we need to do is confess one to another and spend time on our faces before God until he meets us and gives us that assurance of salvation and helps us to overcome and lose the taste for sin. So God has not given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power over sin and death. The second um, power that God has given us is a seen, I want to characterize this as a seen versus unseen power. A seen versus unseen power. You see, as Americans, we are used to thinking in terms, uh, uh, in power in, in different terms than the rest of the world. We're a powerful nation. And so we think of things like uh, military power, political power. That's the first thing that comes to mind. When we, when we say God has given us power, we think of things like um, David slaying Goliath. We think of things like Elijah calling down fire. We think of the mighty miracles of Jesus, the crushing the walls of Jericho, the parting of the Red Sea. However, there's a different kind of power that the worldwide church understands and knows. Those who are in persecuted nations, those who are in positions of political and cultural weakness, they understand a different kind of power that comes from God. This is a power that is unseen. This is a, the, the power of the underground and persecuted church. They have a power that is a stability and a steadfastness. That sound mind, the ability to keep on in difficult circumstances. When we first came to Czechia, the Czech Republic, many of our students and friends had been kicked out of their homes and out of their families because they had given their lives to Jesus Christ when they became believers. We heard testimonies from many people who talked about enduring years and years of verbal and physical abuse from spouses and family members because they had chosen to take that step to follow Jesus. Several times we heard testimonies after years and years, the husband or the wife would finally come to Christ and sometimes it didn't happen. I remember one young man in particular in the year 2000 when we first arrived, this young man's name was Martin. Martin came to the Bible college where we were because he no longer had a place at home. See, Martin was, he came in, he had hair down to here. He was... His mom had told him, don't do two things. 
never take drugs and never become a believer. And he said, I was a bad boy on both parts because he not only started to take drugs, he started to sell them. He was pirating CDs, he was smuggling stuff for the mafia, he was doing all these things. And one day Martin was diagnosed with a terminal illness. And during this time, he said Jesus appeared to him in a vision. It was so frightening to him that he did nothing but shake for two hours. And this caused him to seek out uh, a local pastor who was planting a church in his city in Varnsdorf, Czech Republic. And over the course of two or three months, Martin finally gave his life to Jesus and he was healed of this terminal illness. So he went home and he told his mom about what had happened. And his mom's response was, I would rather you had died than to become a believer. You're such an embarrassment. And she disinherited him and kicked him out of the home. That's why Martin came to the Bible college and he brought along five of the guys that he was selling drugs with and all but one of them are in ministry today. See, this is the unseen power that the Spirit gives us. It's the kind of power that Jesus had in the Garden of Gethsemane before he endured the cross. A power that is able to say, not my will, but yours, Father. A power that enables you to face those difficult circumstances, go through it and survive and be victorious on the other side. I just talked with Martin about uh, two, three months ago, and he told me that... uh, Just now, his mother started talking to him again. It's been over 20 years. He's endured it. He's now the pastor of a church that uh, is in Colleen. And his wife, he's like this tall. His wife is 6'3". I mean, they're a unique couple. but. (laughs) But this is the kind of power that the rest of the church knows. See, God can break in in the miraculous. We believe that. God can, Jesus has demonstrated that. All the miracles, the raised bodies from the dead, all of these things. But Jesus also demonstrated what that that power is that enables you to go through the difficult circumstances even unto death. And some of our brothers and sisters around the world have also experienced that power that enables them to carry on even unto death. The last type of power that we receive is the power for witness. When we were in the Czech Republic, uh, there was one particular little congregation. They had about 40, 45 people, and they had a vision to plant five new churches out of that group of 40. They were targeting all of the cities with 20,000 people or more that had no church of any kind. And so they were just, they were stretching themselves way, probably a little too thin, to be honest. But, but they came to us and they, this is what happens many times in the mission field. The pastors will come and say, can you help us with this? Can you help us with that? And we were busy working in uh, Brno. We were revitalizing youth group. And today those leaders have gone off and, and planted a new church. We have some that are now missionaries in the Arab world. Uh, we have another couple from the Czech Republic that has gone uh, to northern Iraq, and uh, they've been car bombed and stuff, but they're going on. Another young lady, she's going to Tajikistan. So we were involved in a lot of other stuff, and this church comes to us, and they said, well, we want to plant churches in all these cities, but we need help. Can you bring us some at least missionary associates, some assistance? 
And we were like, well, sure, we can put in an application and, and a call for help. And they said, oh, by the way, uh, they have to speak Czech because there's nobody here that speaks English. And in these little cities of 20, 30,000, nobody speaks English. And so we need them to speak Czech. And I'm like, well, that just kind of took the difficulty from about here to about here, you know. Where in the world are you going to find somebody who speaks Czech in America just ready to go? I mean, but we said, sure, we'll pray. Well, there was a, a man and a woman named Peter and Yana. And Peter and Yana were actually in their 50s. They immigrated and escaped from Czechoslovakia years ago uh, with nothing but like the clothes on their back and a couple suitcases with their little daughters. And while they were here, uh, they kind of got into a, a, a whole long story I won't go into, but they basically Peter became a believer by listening to Christian radio. And then his wife became a believer. Then they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then through all of this, these circumstances, they finally had, after all of these years, finally got their American dream. They built their first house. They, everything was stable. And they were in a church service and a mission service. And somebody came up to Peter and prophesied to him and said, God is getting ready to send you back where you came from. And Peter is like, uh-uh, no way, man. <laughs> No way. You have to know Uncle Peter. He's, he's wonderful like that. But, but over the course of that time, God started to stir in them and they realized, yes. And since they were Slovak, they decided to go back to Slovakia because Czechoslovakia, there's two nations, Czech and Slovakia, two languages. And so they thought, well, we'll go back to where we came from, Slovakia. But there was no one there to receive them as associates. And they found our little ad online asking for help. And so they contacted us. They said, well, we, it was Czechoslovakia when we left, so we should go back maybe to Czech. And they were just a godsend. After years and years of waiting, they came in just at the right time. Men in their, and women in their 50s, and we are missing that whole generation because most of our, I mean, there were only three churches, Pentecostal churches when communism fell. And so most of our churches are in the pastors and stuff were kids when they, when they um, became believers. So most of our churches are like 40s and below, maybe 50s and below now. So they came in as stable, mature believers. And when they first came, I introduced them to the pastor. And you have to know Peter and Yana. Peter... He got saved listening to charismatic Christian radio, okay? And he's adopted many Americanisms. Czechs are like this. A bomb goes off. I mean, they're, I mean it's, they're stable. Slovaks are a little more, a little more. But Peter has adopted the charismatic Christian world from the radio and is like, Hallelujah! Thank you, Jesus! And he's, he's like this. He's singing all the time. He's just, everything's, oh, God is so good, man! And he's like this. And, and when the pastor that's planting the churches first met him, he's like, oh, he pulls me aside. That poor man. The checks are going to destroy him. I don't want to work with him. And so he ended up working with the mother church instead because the, the evangelist thought he was going to be too out there, too weird. But I tell you what, Peter and Yana are now career missionaries. 
And when you call them, it's not if somebody is saved this last week, it's how many. He's got this, this gift for evangelism. And it's like this, when Jesus was teaching and preaching, he was known as for the power of his teaching. And I'm convinced it's not because of the eloquence of his delivery. It's not because of the cleverness of his rhetoric. It's not because of the fieriness of his delivery, but it was the power of the Holy Spirit that it prompted the disciples that said, did not our hearts burn within us when he spoke? And that is the way that Peter is, with all of the external Americanisms and trappings, with the weirdness of the Slovak and, and Czech dynamic going on, he is full of the Holy Spirit. And he had a, a goal that he wanted to lead at least 50 people to Jesus during his first two-year term. And he, the last time we saw him before he got on the train to go to the airport, he's like, man, I just had 59, brother. I've been wanting 50 or 49, I wanted 50. And on the way to the airport, he calls me up and says, hallelujah, I just led number 50 to Jesus. As a lady was looking sad in the, in the train coupe and he pulls out his Bible and says, this is what you need. And her heart burned within her. See, God has given us not a spirit of fear and timidity not a spirit of embarrassment, but he's given us a spirit of power, that enablement of the Holy Spirit that comes by the laying on of hands as Peter or as Paul talked to Timothy. And it causes people to respond as the Holy Spirit stirs. Denzel Miller, in his book, he's a missionary in Africa. He wrote a book called Power for Global Mission. He shows that every single expansion of the early church was preceded by an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. It is the baptism of the Holy Spirit which gives unseen power to our message. And as an example, in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, it describes how Paul came and he, to Ephesus and he found these disciples. And he says, while it ha it, and it happened while Apollos was in Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus. He found some disciples and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they, of course, said, no, there's 12 of them there. And he laid hands on them, and they were filled with the Spirit. And if you skip down verses 6 and 7, it says, and when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with other tongues and prophesied, and there were 12 in all. That's a signal. The Holy Spirit's getting ready to do something. The mission is about to expand because the believers have been empowered. See, today we often, we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and it's like, well, what is it for? Well, it's, an, a, it's a, a greater fullness. It gives you joy. It gives you boldness. And we forget that the purpose of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowerment for mission. It is never meant to be kept within ourselves. It is always in the context of mission. In verse 10, we read that over the course of two years, all who lived in Asia, the province around Ephesus, had heard the gospel, both Greek and Jew. It's that unseen power for witness. So this morning I want to close and give you a challenge, and then I'll have Pastor Zach come up and, and lead and close out the service as he wishes, but 
But I want to encourage you, God is not giving you the spirit of fear. Church, God has not given you the spirit of fear. Whatever that fear is, it is standing in opposition to your faith. If you're afraid of death, it's in opposition to what God has done. He said, I give you eternal life. If you're afraid of stepping in out into obedience, it is in opposition to God's call to say, come, join me. As we prayed, or as we sang, Jesus did what he saw the Father do. We do not sit here serving a historical Jesus that is absent from our context. We do not, we are Pentecostal believers. We do not go around saying, what would Jesus do? We are saying, what is Jesus doing? Let's join with him. What is Jesus doing in Serbia? What is Jesus doing on the Purdue University campus? What is Jesus doing in my workplace? I want to join with him. And fear stands in opposition of the activity of Jesus Christ in your context. Don't give in to the fear, because God wants to give you power to accomplish that mission. He wants to give you power to overcome sin and death. He wants to give you assurance in his love. He wants to give you that stability of a sound mind as you focus on what he is doing in your life. So he wants to give you a power that will enable all those around us to encounter a living God. So I want to invite you this morning to receive a new, faith, a new spirit by faith if you're struggling with fear. I invite you to stir up the gift that is within you if you have been baptized with the Holy Spirit, that you may do the work of the evangelist as Paul encouraged Timothy. If you read the end, he says, Timothy, do the work of the evangelist. Timothy, a man who is, who is timid, a man who Paul had to exhort over and over, a, a man who had stomach problems, probably because he's getting all nervous, who knows, but he's saying, do the work of the evangelist to this shy, young, non-evangelist pastor. And if we read history correctly, Timothy heeded that call and his church grew up into a church of multiple thousands. So I want to encourage you this morning, if you are living in fear of death, God wants to take away the fear and give you assurance of salvation if you accept him. And if you're needing the, to overcome fear in your witness, I want to encourage you to stir up the gift. If you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, seek that gift. If you have received it, stir it up because God wants to use you and invites you to participate with him on his mission. So I'm gonna invite Pastor Zach to come up and close the service as he sees fit. But God has not given you the spirit of the fear, church. He's given you a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. Amen. As the music team comes, we're gonna close in a, in a few moments. But uh, before we do that, you know, maybe you are here today and you've been struggling with a spirit of fear, but at the same time you recognize, I don't want to live with that fear. So I just want to invite you today, uh, I just would love to pray with you that God replaces that fear with faith. And just referring to the verse that was preached from this morning, that, that fear is removed and instead you've got this power of love and a sound mind. How many think it's a good thing that the Lord offers us love and a sound mind? So let's just pray for that this morning. So with every head bowed in this room,
You know, the first place is, is where we start. Jesus says that blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize they have a need. And it starts there. So you've got to be willing to say, you know what, Lord, I, I know I've got a need and, and that I've been struggling with fear. So who here today, before I pray, would say, you know what, that's me. I've been struggling with fear, but I want to replace that with love and a sound mind. I want to replace fear with faith today. Who here today would say, that's me? Because I just want to pray with you before we leave today. Anyone up in the balcony to say, that's me? I'm, I've been struggling with fear. And in the, in the, over here on the right, anybody else that would say, that's me today? That's me today. And I just want to pray with you before we go here in the middle. Anybody else that would say, that's me? That's me. God, I just pray for those that are here in this space, maybe in this sanctuary, maybe in our overflow rooms on Main Street or Bethel Chapel, maybe online with us today. I just pray, Jesus, that you would replace fear with faith today in Jesus' name. God, I just pray for a sound minds. God, I pray that love would flow through the hearts of every person in this room and, and every person in this building, every person joining us online. I could just pray that your love would grow today. Lord, I just pray that you instill faith. May faith rise up in Jesus' name. God, I just thank you for the invitation you give us. Father, to not live a life of fear and anxiety and worry and doubt, but Lord, one of love and soundness. So God, we just pray and believe for that today. And I pray for that for those that are struggling with that, that you empower them by your spirit in Jesus' name. I'm going to invite you to stand. The music team's going to come and, and we're going to close. I'd like to ask that our, our prayer team members that are here today, if you don't mind to come back up to the front this morning, because one of the other invitations we had today was one of receiving baptism in the Holy Spirit. That's something that we encourage at Connection Point Church because why baptism in the Holy Spirit? For greater spiritual intimacy and greater spiritual power. And so if those are needs that you have in your life to say, you know what? I want to grow in God. I want all that he has for me. I've actually had a sense that there's something more. And that more is the power of the Holy Spirit that God wants to give us. So my encouragement as we close in song, maybe that's you today. And you'd say, I would like more of God. Well, just come up and pray with our prayer team members. They, they as the scripture was of laying on of hands, that they will pray with you that, that you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit so that you walk out of here with greater spiritual intimacy and greater spiritual power. So as we sing, feel free to step out from where you're at. And maybe you're one of those that raised your hand and said, you know, I'm struggling a bit with fear and, and I'd love to actually just kind of hold hands with and pray with somebody else personally this morning. Feel free to come and step out from where you're at and do that as well. But otherwise, let's sing.